Good morning, good evening, good night, and welcome to the weekend show. You'll be relieved to know that I am joined, as always, by my electoral co-host Garrett. I've been elected twice. You have. We talked uh, about this recently. Yeah. So you know, I have a, I have a very, I'm undefeated in elections. One of which I was defeated in and overthrew because democracy means nothing, which is kind of like the American political system, which we'll talk about in a minute. Speaking of which, coming up on the show this week, we chat about the headlines that took our interest during the week. And in our feature segment, we dissect the US midterm elections, which took place this past Tuesday. Non-stop fun, Gar. <laughs> fun, yeah. Woo! Loads of good stuff in store. But before we get this party started, Gar, how was your week? I, I'm, a, I'm on a productive kick. Very good. As you might have noticed by the return of Paul and me launching a dumb Pokemon website. <laughs> Please tell us more. I have, uh, you see, I, I kind of did nothing during the summer. Like literally nothing. You know those days where you'd come home and, you'd, well, come home. I work from home. Where I, I'd finish my day's work. <laughs> I, I, I do the long commute from my chair to, uh, to just closing the tabs. That, that's my commute. That's <laughs> how I finish work. How is that not having that separation between work and Hard. Home? Like last night, it was one in the morning. And I was checking, just checking like impact Facebook stats. Just at one in the morning. Just because I'm there at my computer, which are also work. And it's like, this is, this is what I do. It's strange. It's weird. It's hard to... And there's days where I don't see daylight. There's days where I just don't leave the house because I, I work on US Eastern time as well. So, like, technically my workday ends, I put in quotation marks, at about 10. So, yeah, it's, it's weird and strange and I don't get up to, like, 2 anyway. So, I, it's, <laughs> I live a healthy life. But yeah. Anyway, let's talk about positive things. What are your new endeavors? Yeah, I'm on, I'm on, I'm on a productive kick because I was like, I have done nothing for months. Let's start doing things again. So uh, if you go and if you see, you know, I have my whiteboard in my room now again. You do? It, lo- it looks like the scrawlings of a madman now. <laughs> There's literally like 600 things written on it. It's like little things I tick off during the week to make me feel good about doing things. Such as Paul with Barry talking about Ant-Man and the Wasp, kind of, and then everything else. There's yeah. not much to talk about about Ant-Man. It's like, this is a good film. Yeah. The end. It's kind of a, a, a meander through some of the more recent Marvel uh, releases. Mm. And the upcoming ones as well. I listened to it last night, not just because it's on our podcast network. I also enjoy Paul as a fan, mm-hmm. and it's a very good episode. If you're listening to this, you can hear it in the same feed. You can, and we'll tell you more about that again later, just in case you forget. And the audio quality is only okay, because I recorded it at twice the volume. Like I recorded Barry's End at twice the volume, which also kind of drowns me out at times, just the way it works. But yeah, yeah. I tidied it up as best I could. It was a little, it, it was a little bit of a weird experience, because it kind of up and down, and... Different volumes in different earphones at some point. Yeah, because I, that and it's because him coming in so loud cut me out sometimes, and sometimes just cut out like cut me down to mono for some reason. So I'd only come in like the left or right speaker. It was it was it was a strange edit. Uh, it's listenable. Like every time I I edited in about three different chunks because I was watching the Steel City Derby last night and I edited the first half of it beforehand and then a little during halftime and then a little afterward. And every time I'd come back to it, I'd be like, oh God. (laughs) But like if you listen to it straight through, it's okay. Yeah, it does settle down after a while. I would recommend listening to it on a lower volume. Yes. But it is a good chat and Barry is always a a great guest on the podcast. So I do recommend it. Yeah. So yeah, that's one thing being productive. A podcast I recorded in September, which I bothered to edit this week. Um, And the other, I launched a Pokemon website. And can astute people, if they go to that website, will notice the introduction post. Did you notice this? I did. Uh, when is the introduction post dated, Ken? No, I thought I, I noticed a typo, which I. Oh yeah, thanks for that. But when was it dated? Uh, sep- no, October. Oh no, November. What month are we in? We're in uh, November. Oh, okay. I didn't notice. May. Okay. <laughs> if you go there, you notice that first introduction post was posted in May. The first review was posted on Tuesday. So that took me a while. But yeah, this week I'm like, I'm just going to do that because it's stupid. And I like doing stupid little projects. Do you know how many episodes there have been to date? Uh, 1,070 something, I think. Wow. I know. Do you have access to them all? Uh, I have about the first 500. You're looking at the waveform in a very concerned manner. <laughs> Is something wrong? No, it's still going. Okay. <laughs> you were very, very concerned. By 
PC went on sleep mode. But, Are you sure? <laughs> but it kept going while we was on sleep mode, so I, I have taken care of that aspect, but it does give me a bit of a panic. Carry All right. on. You just move your finger in Jared, the thing every so okay. okay. I took but, care of it. But yeah, I have access to, I think, about the first 500, so I don't have to think about that for about two years. So there'll be one a day. I haven't written the days, but there'll be run a day, one a day, every day until I die or get bored and give up. But I'm looking forward to when I get to like episode 250 when they loop. You know, yeah. When it goes back to Ash is a doll to us to learn that you can't use uh, normal moves in a ghost type, and he's like, I didn't know that. I just learned that in episode 45. <laughs> History has proven, Gar, that when you try to do a piece of media or writing per day it it's doesn't stupid. necessarily work out yeah hey i i, I got through podcasts a day for 200 days 200 and none of it is good well not none of it is good uh, so only about like 20 percent of it is good but it's there every day for 200 days ken that must be stressful just like you know like those days where like work gets in the way or you're doing something and like you remember that you have to put out a podcast yeah that must have been pretty stressful then you get episodes like walking home with gar <laughs> There was several uh, editions of Walking Home with Gar. I'm pretty sure there was about six of them. <laughs> or uh, the, the worst one was when I was, it was like 5 to 12. And I was like, shit, I've forgotten Paul or Pad. And it's just like, it was uh, uh, saying hello in 20 different languages, I think it was. And I was just like, Google it, Google it, record it, record it, upload it, upload it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Good content. Did you make it in time? I made it just about. It was like, it's like 11.59. It's like, <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, though, you know, in the week that it's released, sometimes those those episodes don't get many listeners. But over time, Pa has, and Pat has came, kind of gained a few extra listens over the, the years. Oh, thanks for that. But the episode on, because uh, I used to post on YouTube and then I gave up on that too. But uh, the uh, episode List of Sexually Active Popes, which is wandering through Wikipedia, another reliable, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today format. But that episode has, I think, like 6,000 listens on YouTube. Yeah. It's like something about the YouTube algorithm is like, Pope's Pope's banging? We like that. How many people Google Pope's banging on a day, do you think? I don't know. Pope's banging. (laughs) Banging it, banging it, banging it. So yeah, my week has been quiet. Yeah, my week has been uh, ticking things off a board. Getting things done. Mm. Let's see. Uh, No, mostly just work and exercise. I went back to work this week after... A two-month hiatus. Mm-hmm. Mornings suck. I know. I haven't experienced one in a while, so I say I know as if, you know, I know, but I don't. <laughs> also, I don't drive, so buses also suck. Mm. Thank God for the creation of noise-canceling headphones. Well, don't lose them. I won't. Okay. Let's not go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but but I, I don't have noise-canceling headphones, but I don't think I need them. I don't care that much. You'd be surprised, because when I first started using them, I was like, they don't work, I can hear things. Hmm. But then when you like, take them off, it's like, whoosh. <laughs> There's like a, a wall of sound hits There's you. a world around you. So what I do now is just I listen to my podcasts, and I kind of view it as leisure time. So Why are you rubbing your legs so much? I don't know. <laughs> it's something it's weird. Quite, it's quite cold. It is. We're in winter. I don't like it. Nobody would have been any the wiser to my leg rubbing had you not called it out. Well, maybe it's coming through in the audio and they're just hearing some kind of weird sh- 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 noise from you rubbing your legs. Sorry. We are in the depths of winter here and we're in a very annoying phase where it's very cold but also raining constantly. Yeah, we're in, we're in the wet winter phase, which is nice. It's not that cold. I wouldn't have said it's very cold. It was colder a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I suppose the one thing about the rain, it brings cloud cover, which makes it slightly warmer. Mm. But it's chilly and also wet. I went for a walk without a jumper on yesterday. So it's uh, actually, no, it was probably very cold. I'm just stupid. But still. Kara, knowing you, who wore shorts until the end of September, I think it was? It was into October. Into October. It's only recently that I've started wearing pants. What you wear when you exit the house is no bearing on how cold it is because you're dumb. Yeah, when we went to see... John Stewart. That was the first time I've worn pants since like January. <laughs> Did they shame you into wearing pants? And I was just like, it's cold. And I should wear some pants. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, thank you. Good self awareness. Because hmm. as I said, from January twelfth onward, I had no reason really to wear pants. There's no societal expectation upon me to wear pants, working or anything. So why would I wear pants? That's true. I hadn't anticipated that there is a a thing now of you being kind of your own boss yeah so you don't really have to dress up or leave the house i'm a self-employed independent contractor ken living the dream it is i don't know 
because it's not the dream home. <laughs> yeah, I would have said like a work week in which you're like three in the office, two at home is the dream. Yeah, which gets you out of the house, has you having like colleagues because colleagues is nice. For some of them will always suck, but generally having colleagues is nice. And then two at home where you don't have to get out of bed and you can just work from your laptop lying in bed in the warm embraces of your covers. Well, there is a movement in business to allow that more because. You know, the technology supports it you know, mm. as well these days. And people are more likely to stay in a company with that kind of flexibility, especially not even if they just if they have families, but some people just chemically are, are night owls. So like mornings just don't suit them, you know. Mm. Again, from that book that I've been reading, in case you're going to call me out on it. Matthew Walker's Why We Sleep from Penguin Books. Very good. It's over there. Yes. <laughs> it's on my reading pile. Third week in a row you've mentioned it now, Ken. I'm learning and I'm sharing. What's wrong with that? I'm getting a paycheck because of it. No, I'm not. Matthew Walker doesn't even know who I am. Go to the book depository and enter the promo code KENSOLDOUT and you'll get no discount. (laughs) And you'll get very confused. Mm. Okay, Gar, story time? Story time. Top story this week. Angela Merkel to step down as German leader at the end of the current term, which will end in 2021. So she's already said she will not seek re-election. So she's not just stepping down as leader of the party and German chancellor. She's going to retire altogether. So we're losing their leader of the free world. Yeah. She's led the ruling Christian Democratic Union Party since 2000, becoming chancellor in 2005. So 13 years. The The last good world leader we have is leaving us in 2021, Ken. Yeah. I've got the fear, Gar. Hmm. But French, French lad is the new hopeful for leading the world isn't he he's very concerned with our tax rate though he's to mind his own business yeah what's his name uh emmanuel macron yeah macron yeah he's the, he's the new leader of the free world now that like merkel is legitimately like the last good world leader you can look to and be like she might keep us safe <laughs> and now she's going to <laughs> with the entire world drifting towards the right and even the extreme right mm. it is quite worrying to see the last bastion of kind of sense stepping down now we have another bonus of three years two years i guess until she does first the big swing in germany hasn't been to the right yeah it's been to the green party yeah so that's at least encouraging then <laughs> i've never been a great fan of the green party on a policy level uh, uh, aside from like the obvious you know stop the world from ending you're killing the planet yeah i'm I, on board with that but the, the other broader there's everything else there too guys but I think a swing toward the Green Party is a better than a swing toward the hard right. And apparently the hard right leader is also going to retire because he's quite old as well. So there's rumours of that. So Well, there's always another hard right monster there to pop up and be like, ban all people who aren't blonde and blue eyed. That's probably a little on the nose. But still, I played Wolfenstein recently, which is killing lots of Nazis. So I have Nazis on the brain. Murdered lots of them. I think we all have Nazis on the brain and we'll talk about that later in our main segment. Mm. That's quite... Uh, an awful sentence to say but anyway yeah, play wolfenstein too you'll just murder lots of nazis and feel slightly better about yourself it's cathartic yeah but 13 years arguably not even arguably probably led germany to their best ever period of economic stability and growth and for example um i work in the contact center industry which is a fancy word for call center what did you call it contact center or oh. bpo oh yeah and customer status customer experience or whatever you call it yeah all the ways to not say call center so people people feel feel better about themselves but one of the main call centers in germany can't mm-hmm. get germans to work there that's how good their economy is nice in fairness that's how our economy that's, that's where our deep resentment of the polish came from because the polish came here and took jobs we didn't want and then when our economy crashed we blamed them because we're irrational and slightly racist so it's like, God, that's where the Germans are now. I think it's a hard job to do. I mean, mm-hmm. having to wait his word literally on your shoulders. So I can imagine after, you know, a decade and a half, which it will be by the time she steps down. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough for any for her person. Yeah. That's a Bertie-esque reign right there. Yeah. Well, Bertie was like 93 to 2008, wasn't he? It's 15 years of dominance of Irish politics. It's impressive, though, to hold on to power for that long. Well, we in fact, people give out about the Celtic Tiger. It led Ireland to its greatest period of prosperity. And, and like, we're still a great deal better off. Like, even in the depths of our recession in, like, 2010, we're still a great deal better off than we were in 1993. Yeah, we just don't know how to handle being wealthy. Yeah, and we're, we're getting back there again. Woo, fastest growing economy in Europe. Yeah. The amount of new cars I saw on the road this year shows me that we learned nothing from the, the I don't crash. think many, very many 192s, though. 
We're not a 192... Uh, uh, 182. 182, yeah, whatever. 2018 car. Because uh, yeah, a few years ago, we split our car license plates. We used to just like... Eight, uh, you buy a car in 2018, your car's license plate is 18. Then we broke it into like... You buy the car in the first half of 2018, it's 181. Second half, it's 182. But I don't see many people buying 182s. The whole reason behind that was to get people to buy cars throughout the year. Because mm, like, obviously everyone would front load buying cars in January and February and no one would buy a car in September because they'll wait till the brand new spanking new year coming around the next year. But people still mentally wait till the new year so I don't think yeah. it works that well. No. People it was also out. bad luck, wasn't it? Was it? Someone didn't want... What was the bad... What's the bad luck number? 13? It yeah. started in 13. Yeah, it was like some TD was like, I don't want 13 on my car, it's bad luck. Oh, nice for some to be able to get a new car every year. I know. You just skip the year. You just skip the year. <laughs> okay, Gert, taking us on to our next story. You put this one on the slate, so take us forward. This fascinates me. Defy Media basically collapsed this week. And not many, not pe- many people would have heard of Defy Media. Me included. Most people would have heard of Smosh. Which I think... You've never heard of Smosh? No. Uh, tangentially, but I don't really know what they do. Like, Smosh would have been one of the original, like really 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 successful youtube channels okay so for games or uh they eventually launched smosh games but no it was mostly comedy skits okay so they would have done comedy skits and like so successful so they have a huge audience and you'd wonder like in the back of your head you're like surely the company that owns this could like milk this thing forever because like this isn't a business where it's like oh 2018 our car didn't sell as well you know you see those the viewership numbers, and I suppose like the videos didn't perform as well. But apparently, Smosh is doing record numbers, and you're you're at the whim of a, a, an algorithm, which is always uh, unfortunate. But by all accounts, they're doing very well. So you think you'd be able to manage that company and its resources pretty well to you know make money, but apparently, no. There's tons of debts, so they'll shit loads of people money, and they collapse. Yeah, that happens sometimes when people get traction in like say one space, like the mm. online media or YouTube. And then they think that they can build an infrastructure or business on top of it. Because they release games. I'm pretty sure there was a Smosh the movie at one stage. So I, I've only glanced at this story because, as I said, I wasn't really aware of Defy before you brought it to my attention. But mm. the overwhelming impression that I got was that they reached too far, too fast. And yeah. they crashed and burned Icarus style. It was interesting. In the, the weeks, uh, in the, the fallout of this collapse, the people who launched uh, Smosh, which is Anthony Padilla and Ian... Hillcox, Hillcox, I think is his name. But they revealed that they sold the company for no money. Wow. They sold the company for stock in Defy Media, which now it's not worth very much. They got a salary as well, but you would have thought their brand at that stage should have been worth a great deal of money. And it show that's another thing. It's like they would have been teenagers. <laughs> they were kids who launched a YouTube channel who became wildly successful and created a brand that was probably worth a great deal more than they sold it for. And they didn't know what they were doing and they sold it because they're like steady paycheck and stock in your company. That sounds cool. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah. And I'm sure like they have their anyone. That's the thing about uh, being on the internet. Like all of these people have will have an audience at this stage. You know, they'll have diehards like they were wildly successful. There's people who will follow them off the edges of the earth and give them money while they're doing it. So like even if you sold Smosh for nothing, once you build the audience online, uh, unless you abuse it or unless you neglect it I'm pretty sure they'll follow you as I said they'll follow to the ends of the earth it's actually interesting to see like YouTube channels that are die like, like people who are very successful and then they, they, it usually just happens when you don't feed the content often enough Yeah. rather than like your audience won't turn on you PewDiePie is an abhorrent monster he's a terrible influence on children and has far too much influence on far too many people and is neglecting that influence in a way that is probably teaching people to be mean and stupid but he does that and he still has his audience because he's tens of millions a year off of it yeah because he produces content regularly i think that the, the cardinal sin you can do if you have a successful youtube channel is stop producing content yeah not to just i'm gonna talk to two of your points there first mm-hmm. the the first one is you're right. Like whether it be Twitter, Snapchat, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's all about content. So like, the more you put up, the more like you you are to hit an algorithm and to gain traction. And once you get there, it's kind of it's hard because like you have to feed you have to feed the beast. You have to feed the beast all the time. Like whether you're having a good day or a bad day, whether you're you're feeling it or not, you have to put something out there, and that's that's difficult. The second point is, I think we touched on it in our first episode back after our long, long hiatus. Mm. We're in an unprecedented time for these young people in the sense that this kind of fame hasn't existed very long. Mm -hmm. So 
There's, as you there's, said, there's these... no skill set. There's no support system for these people. And uh, there's, there's not a path like this is how you do this well. Exactly. So, like, the people were teenagers or very young when they got there. Even PewDiePie, and not to defend him for one minute, because he is a, a dick and mm-hmm. he is an adult. When you have a platform like that, you should... You have a responsibility to, to, to treat it with respect and, and bring your audience to a, a good level, not drag them down to yours. Yeah. But anyway, continue. But I, but Jake, yeah, he, he grew his channel from the ground up. Yeah. Fair play to him. But Jake Paul and all them, I think they're a bit, their minds are a bit warped. Like they mm. feel like they have this audience. They have like all this on this like crazy wealth for a person of their age, and I think they think that they can say anything. I think the algorithm becomes part of their brain. That's interesting. Like the like like thinking about what the algorithm will do and trying to work the algorithm warps their thinking. You know, they don't think, is this a good thing to do? They don't think, is this the right thing to do? They don't think, is this a moral thing to do? They don't think about, like, uh, what about my audience should I protect them from? And what about my audience should I expose them from? They're like, numbers. What will the algorithm like? And I think that does legitimately become part of how they think. Instead of all the other things that should factor into the kind of content you produce. And I don't think they actually understand the responsibility until it blows up in their face. Mm. A the Jake Paul. And the PewDiePie apologist apologizes twice a year and then weaponizes his very, very vocal and very loyal fan base to attack anybody that attacks him. Yeah. Which is also another highly dangerous thing. Like, even if the, the, even if you don't mean it, if someone criticizes you and you quote tweet it and you you have a million followers... You're a shitty person because that's you basically giving permission for your followers. You're to sticking jump. the dogs. Yeah, that's that's all you're doing, and, and and like even if you're literally just defending yourself, you have to be conscious of that. If you have a million followers and someone says I didn't like that video, it's like oh well you suck, and you quote tweet it like that. I'm not saying anybody, but people have probably done that. But uh, people who do that, you're literally you should give them permission to as you said, you're sticking the dogs. You're yeah, all my loyal followers go attack them in their mentions. One thing I found very interesting, uh, Jonathan Van Ness, who's from Queer Eye, I don't know if you've seen the reboot. I haven't. You've probably seen him on the internet, he's mm-hmm. everywhere now. And he has a podcast called, god damn it, I'm blanking. Yeah, Google it. Uh, Getting Curious. There you go. There we go. I got there eventually. Solid thing. Yeah, I get, that was so weird. You know how your mind works sometimes where it's just about to spit it out, but then it automatically wipes it from your it memory? It pulls, it's like, it's like, oh, you need this? And it's like, the, the uh, your mind is like a factory. It's like, he needs the memory, push it up. It's jammed! It's jammed! <laughs> exactly, but he like has gone in a space of like eight months from being relatively obscure. He did, you know, some successful podcasts and he was a kind of a celebrity hairdresser as such, but not very well known to being like probably one of the biggest celebrities of the moment. Mm-hmm. And he said on one of the most recent episodes that he really feels the weight of what he says now mm. and like you know he's kind of thrown stuff some stuff out there defending himself or kind of fighting back and it's kind of blown up in his face and he realized that his voice is amplified by like a million times now and you know it's caused him to pause and think about what he put out puts out there but obviously he's a man in his early 30s versus these people who kind of started off as children and like i don't think any child should become a millionaire that's like well you know, there's something wrong. Like, as you said, uh, you know, trying to game the algorithm mixed with, like, ungodly wealth. amounts of money is going to create kind of... Wealth without responsibilities. Yeah. And, like, I think, you know, in later life, it's gonna only going to lead to things like poor mental health and go down kind of really dark roads, you know? I was watching, and, like, these fans have a sense of entitlement. Like, I was watching uh, watch Game Grumps, which is literally just two guys playing video games. And every year at Halloween, they do Ghoul Grumps. Which is where they just play spooky games. Great name. Yeah, it's a good name. And they have an intro that's like uh, zombified and all that. And they didn't do it as much this year. And their audience revolted to the degree that they have to apologize for not giving the right free content to people this year. And that's just like, get over yourself, you entitled human beings. It's the same thing. Blizzard, you know, have the Diablo games. Yes. They, they released Diablo 3 in 2012. And they haven't released a new Diablo game since. They announced it at BlizzCon, though, didn't they? They announced Diablo Immortal, which is a mobile game. And their audience freaked out. They hate it. Like, on a level that is childish, immature, and frankly, just just stupid. That's like, they're making Diablo 4. They are. They want. They like money, don't they, Ken? Yeah. They know people will pay money for Diablo 4. It's in development, nearly certainly. They'll announce And, like, they should have foreseen it. Blizzard should have known... That this would happen, there would be backlash, they should have announced Diablo 4 with it. But, for the love of God, get that sense of entitlement out of here. They don't owe you anything. 
Especially with free or and premium you don't, content. Yeah, the free stuff is uh, like the Game Grumps thing. It's like they make stuff for you for free every day. They release, I think, three videos a day uh, for free. They charge you nothing. I find if they make money off it, it's their job. But you get it for free. Get over yourselves. But the Diablo thing, it's like you don't have ownership of this thing, even if you feel like you should. And get over again. Get over yourselves. Uh, internet culture. Uh, I know. Grumbling. We've been down that rabbit hole a few times on this podcast. So. Yeah, Defy Collapse. And it's fascinating to see very successful channels not being able to make money. But anyway. Well, uh, in fairness, Smosh, as, a, as an entity in and of itself, was probably profitable. But they had so much more going on. Like, they didn't just own Smosh. They owned a bunch of Clever. Um, the Warp Zone, I think they owned that too. They, they just bought up a bunch of very successful channels and then probably overextended themselves and collapsed. It is a cautionary tale for some of these people, though, because... Mm. It seems like when these things get so big and they get so many followers that they can make money forever. But sometimes, you know, they have to realize that the world we live in moves so fast that, mm-hmm. you know, people are fickle. Even if they're, you know, loyal fans. Like, if you don't produce something to their liking, if you don't produce things consistently enough, even if they just kind of get bored with you and they move on to something else that they've caught, that, that's caught their attention. You have to think about life afterwards because the likes of these Jake Pauls, they've created a lifestyle for themselves that spends that kind of money. So if that money goes away, they might not be rich forever. Mm. So that's kind of worrying in my, in my mind. And the thing is, when you get that big, you lose control of your audience. You know, when you're small and you have like a few hundred thousand followers, you can probably like keep a relatively intimate relationship with them. But when you get to like millions and millions, you lose control of your thing. You lose like ownership of it. As I said, the fans feel like they begin to own it. And if your thing isn't what they think it should be, then you start getting revolts, which is childish and uh, immature. But it happens. Our last story this week, it's a, it's a bit of an unusual one. Man, 69, who identifies as 20 years younger, begins a legal battle to change age. You can't alter time. <laughs> I'm all for if you want whatever gender, whatever you want to be. It's like, that's up to you. Who cares? Do you do you? You can't alter time, Ken. <laughs> this all arose from basically him wanting to be younger on Tinder. Okay. Because he describes himself as a young god mm-hmm. and argues that if people can change their gender, he should be allowed to change his age. It's not how it works. So he thinks that if he is able to say he's 49 rather than 69 on t- Tinder, he'll get more dates. And he says he feels younger, his body is younger, so he should have a right to change his age no he shouldn't that's not how time works you can't just say let's ignore the rules of time that's how we measure age via time time can't be abandoned here ken dutch entrepreneur emil Reitelband is hoping he will be able to change his date of birth from march 11th 1949 to march 11th 1969 after his doctor said he had the body of someone 20 years younger than himself so that's probably the angle he'll use he'll use the medical advice of the doctor or the medical you know opinion to kind of drive his case i'd imagine well he shouldn't because like gender isn't really a scientific thing it is to a degree it's more a construct of humanity time time is a thing you can't just go and stop it <laughs> time as a construct of society though and age is technically the way we real. measure it is artificial but it still exists you are that many that you can't just say we're we're, we're going to measure you differently all of a sudden like, the, like as I said, why do we have uh, sixty minutes in an hour instead of or sixty sixty second minutes in an hour instead of one hundred and twenty thirty second minutes in an hour? Like that is an arbitrary distinction. I'm sure there's probably a reason for it, but I'm sure you could also make a case that it could be let's put more minutes in an hour. Why not? But time, it's it's a measurement. It's based. It's not based on nothing. <laughs> it's based on the rotation of the Earth. Yeah, he's not suing Tinder, though. He's actually... Suing the state. Yeah, he's taking action against a local authority who refused to change his age on official documents. Yeah, because you're 69. Get over it. By the way, Ken. Nice. Nice? We said the word 69 too many times. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Nice. Yes. Rachel Band told a local newspaper, You can change your name. You can change your gender. Why not your age? Nowhere are you so discriminated against <laughs> as with okay, your age. Okay, okay. You can change your name into something your parents came up with and means literally nothing. It's not like uh, it's not like a measurement of the universe that, oh, his name is going to be, what's his name? What's his first name? Emil. Emil. It's not like the, the universe dictated that your name is Emil. Ta- 
Change the rotation of the Earth, Emil, and you can be younger. That's the only way you can do it. Get cracking. You okay, girl? Yeah. He's... And th- th- this is like, there's, there's like transphobic stuff here as well, isn't there? It's like, oh, the gender people can change their gender, but I'm not allowed to change my blah, 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 you know? Yeah. He's arguing that as well as affecting his love life, it's also affecting employment opportunities. He's calling it the, the age card there. He's 69. He should be retired. He what said... employment opportunities is he looking for? I don't know. He said, when I'm 69, I'm limited. If I'm 49, then I can buy a new house, drive a different car. I can take up more work. <laughs> What's stopping him from buying a house? No one's like, you're old. Fair enough, a bank might not give him a loan because, you know, he might die beforehand. But that's on him for not having a house by the time he's 69. Get over it. Yeah. What's stopping him from... Dr- <laughs> he seems to be... Uh, you can tell how angry I am by how, how, how high my... It's like... <laughs> how your, your pitch gets. Yeah. He's a... I, I don't know much about him because I've never heard of him before the story. But he seems to be a media personality in the Netherlands. Hmm. And he said he'd give up his pension if the courts ruled in his favor. Just take your pension and be happy. Like old age, I like for me, assuming you're in good health, sixty-five to seventy-five is like the ideal time of life. You're retired and in relatively good health, hopefully. And that's where you're like, let's just go around the world, and do dumb shit before my health deteriorates to where I'm just waiting to die. And before that, you're just working too much. He's in the sweet spot. And he doesn't want to be. Come on, dude. Yeah. Live your life. Yeah, that's like, because like, basically we live 75% of our lives to live 25% of it. Yeah. This is like that 10 years. As I said, that 10 years before your health deteriorates, assuming you remain healthy in your 60s. That's, that's, it's the dream. Where you go around the world to be in the, the annoying old people who are like, where's the thing I want to go see? Point me in the direction there, young whippersnapper. And you're annoying, uh, it's like American tourists descend on Dublin. But Yeah. Come on, dude. Karen, you'll be happy to hear that the case is deemed unlikely to succeed. Good. Rotation uh, of the earth, Ken. A court is expected to give a verdict within four weeks, but they're sceptical about the lawsuit, saying that there is no legal way to change his age. Hmm. Go into freaking space and change the way the sun and the rotation of the earth and the moon works. And as I said, then you can fix your change your age. If you change how time works on a fundamental, like quantum level then all power to you pal that was a good rant there for you girl you mm. feel good mm. i think these news stories are, are bad for your health well <laughs> <laughs> the funny one i didn't expect to have a rant about dumb freaking youtubers who lead their audience to stupidity speaking about leading their audience to stupidity <laughs> oh, good segue there ken thanks girl we had the midterm elections in the u.s uh last tuesday mm-hmm. 50 year voting high car blue wave yeah people are so reluctant to call it a blue wave they won 37 seats in the freaking house of representatives and you'd say oh well they didn't lose the senate the senate can uh, assigns two seats to every state yeah which means the senate represents empty space more than it represents people L- yeah. like uh, i saw a map being like there's a segment of, uh, of la county that has more people in it than like seven or eight other states and, like, they have the exact same number of representatives in the Senate. That makes no sense. And people will be like, oh, California shouldn't have an untold influence in the Senate over Montana. It's like, if California have a lot more people, they should. The body should be representing people, Ken, not empty space, not nothing. But anyway, and the, you know how the House of Representatives works, Ken? They represent people. So the one that's actually designed to be representative of actual, like, we're, we're, we're designated because it's broken into districts. And those districts, there's a whole other redistricting issues and gerrymandering issues are involved in that. But that segment, the with, with it's like uh, the house that is actually representative, the house of representatives, Ken. Uh, Blue Wave, it'll probably be like 36, 37 seats in the end. Yeah, Florida is being contested. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, uh, I'm going on another rant now, Ken. The freaking votes. The, uh, America doesn't know how voting works because they're too used to, like, basically things being declared night of an election. Like, the, like we count votes manually in this country. We, probably, we, we do paper voting. So we tick our boxes and then we send, the, uh, we send them all to our polling stations and they open the boxes and they count them manually. And we have an appreciation, Ken. That takes time. And America has so many other complicated rules. Like, like you can do provisional voting. So if you're, if you do, if you, there's a problem with you being registered to vote, you can vote 
and then they'll check that against their systems to see that they make a mistake. And if there's like a thousand of those, apparently that takes like five, ten minutes each ballot. That takes time. So you're about to talk about like the, the Florida cases and the, uh, the Florida elections and the the Georgia elections that haven't quite closed yet. Yeah. And they're like, it's voter fraud. Where are they finding all these votes? They're finding these votes, Ken, because they haven't counted them yet. Yeah, because you have states that do a paper ballot, you have states that do electronic voting. And there's the early voting, as I said, there's provisional voting, there's all little thing, little bits and bobs, and if there's a recount, God love. And it's, it's only the Republicans that are like, this is election fraud, because early voting tends to go to Democrats, and it's to be counted last, but... Clearly, they're just stuffing the ballots. They're just making these votes up. It couldn't possibly, you know, representative of the voice of the people. Yeah, Rick Scott, who's standing for the House of Representatives, is claiming voter fraud. He is the former governor of current Florida. governor, isn't he? Well, current governor, but he's outgoing. But well, yeah, so he's the current governor of Florida suing the election officials of Florida, which he probably kind of oversees, uh, for uh, voter fraud. So. When he was governor, he faced two elections. He won the first one by 1.5% and mm-hmm. the last one by 1%. Now it's down to 0.18% mm-hmm. in this election. And only now is he concerned about voter fraud. Yeah. And I don't know if we covered it on the podcast before. I think we referenced it maybe in our last uh, American Politics episode. He also was at the head of a major disenfranchisement movement in florida yeah they don't want people to vote so like like i mentioned this on twitter the day of the midterms the the phrase go vote seems to inherently favor the democratic party that makes no sense you know i saw because google changed their doodle to just go vote and like oh like oh in my head legitimately a thought that went through my head is like oh google openly picking a side because that's the very the republicans work Getting back to my point on Rick Scott, so in Florida, there is basically a panel which he led, of course, where you could apply to get your vote back because it doesn't like a lot of states after you finish your prison term as a felon, you'll get your you'll be enfranchised or is that the word? You get your voting rights back, basically. Yeah, re-enfranchised, I guess. If yeah. disenfranchises, get taken, getting your vote taken away. And basically, he heads this panel and he has the the full vote he's like it was covered on last week tonight with john oliver basically he's like uh yeah there's this man in particular i remember the story uh, very well it sticks in my mind he's he'd been a drug addict he had drug offenses so he wasn't allowed to vote and he went before this panel and said look i've got my life together i've been clean for so many years i, I even lead a drug program now i'm getting youths off the streets and all this stuff and he's like i recognize what you've done and it's great but i still don't feel like you should be able to vote that's it. I'm pretty sure. Well, is it Florida that the uh, there was a, a, a measure on the ballot to allow? Yes, Gary, I was getting on to that. Yeah, there was a measure to reenfranchise felons. So, like, basically, once you've served your term, or once you're you know no longer a felon, or you've been through the prison system, you're allowed to vote immediately after that. Yeah. Uh, except in the cases of murder or uh, felony sex offenses, which I can kind of get on board with. Yeah. Um. So that and that passed. Yeah. And passed, you know, that, so that is one piece of good news that the governor of Florida will no longer have sweeping powers to deny people their right to vote. Can we talk about the shitload of things Americans have to vote for? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, when we vote in a general election, it's literally, like, <clears throat> we, go into our, we go into our Cork South Central constituency and we're like, uh, tick your Michal Martin or your Simon Coveney or your whoever the Sinn Féin lad box is. And that's it. You vote in your general election. You might have a referendum attached because we had the presidential election recently and we had a referendum attached to that as well about removing blasphemy from the constitution. Americans, they vote for like their local local fisheries commissioner and their, their local, like all of the local roles are on the ballot. There's like two or three different freaking... Initi- local governments as yeah. well. And there's uh, like initiatives. It seems like they have to vote in like seven different, seven, eight, nine different things. Judges. <laughs> Judges local, is another thing they have to elect. All of this seems to be on the ballot. It's like... Local, could, local administrators. How do they do anything if everything has to go to the people? It's like, oh, with Proposition X, Y, and Z about whether we should tax tobacco hire to pay for Medicare. That was one somewhere. And it's like, why is this a vote? Why is this something that has to be put to the people? And there's so much on the ballot that people don't know half the stuff that's on there. They yeah, just end up ticking boxes, yeah. So, like, the voting is not representative of a, an informed opinion or even of an allegiance. It's just, I don't know what I'm talking about. So, 
You put this piece of paper in my uh, yes. Yeah, so? <laughs> like I guarantee there's probably a good like 15-20% of votes that are literally just that. It's like they give them it's like, oh we have this proposition up today too. It's like uh yeah, all right. <laughs> yeah. But like there is talk now that the uh, Democrats have the House about electoral reform, so that could be one of the things on, on the agenda. Getting back to like voting and you know, kind of suspect things with, with, with voting. Uh, the Georgia race, you mentioned it there, Gar, uh, for governor, Stacey Abrams was going uh, for the Democrats to try and become the first ever black uh, governor in the United States. Black female governor, I should say. Mm-hmm. The vote is extremely close. Brian Kemp has declared victory. Uh, he, he was slightly ahead in the votes. And she is refusing to concede uh, as of this recording because, as you said, n- not all the votes are counted. Yeah. So she's trying to force a runoff or at least a recount. I'm pretty sure the the George of Steve was it Steve Camp is his name Brian Camp. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure he's declared victory, and he's just like I won. It's okay. <laughs> and here's where it gets more sinister, Gar. His role up until this week when he resigned under pressure after he declared victory. So he thought he's like I'm moving on to my new job now, so I can resign. He was the Secretary of State for Georgia. Apparently, this is the thing. Apparently, that's not uncommon. Yeah, like this, it's been amplified in this because it's a very tight race. But apparently, that's a relatively common thing, and that's like uh, our good friend of the podcast, Rob Reed, said that like that's like if you're trying to come up with a, an absurd example of conflict of interest, you're like if the person running the election was uh, a candidate in the election, conflict of interest. It's like, but no, that's just how it is. Yeah, if you're not familiar with the role of Secretary of State on the state level. Basically, he ratifies and certifies the vote. Mm-hmm. So he declares the vote legitimate in his own race. Mm. And not only that, but he spent the last few years trying actively to add voting restrictions and voting laws. He says it's to avoid voting fraud. Of course. But, which, like, but there's so much talk about voter fraud. There is no evidence of voter fraud in the United States of America. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's like 0.000007% of votes cast in like 2012 were, were fraudulent, which is nothing. And it's so much talk about voter fraud because Russia did legitimately influence the US election, probably not via voter fraud, but via propaganda tactics. But it's just like they weaponized that. It's like, oh, it's voter fraud. I couldn't possibly lose. It's voter fraud. Georgia in particular, there's no evidence at all of it, but Kemp had suspended the votes of people, struck them from the register. That's that's actual voter fraud. And they're the people who are like, oh, it's voter fraud. One of his initiatives was if your voter registration does not match all the previous documents that you submitted to the government, your voter rights were put on hold. (sighs) And... Surprise, surprise, it was disproportionately shown to affect blacks and oh, it's racist. It's racist. It's li- all, all these all these ID, all these things. It's a Spanish name. <laughs> Why did you put, uh, it's like someone who whose name is like, oh, it's in Spanish here, but it was in English here. You're out. There yeah. is some karmic justice there, though. Uh, Scott Walker in Wisconsin implemented yeah. a law that you can only he was the person responsible for implementing a law that you can only ask for a recount if you're within one percent and he lost by 1.2 yeah. percent so suck it scott walker yeah it's a blue wave it's yeah. just it's a uh, people are so reluctant it's a uh, like they're uh, like well, the, it's kind of i i would describe it more as a purple wave because wave. they have made significant gains they've also gained uh in the the race for governors out of all 50 governors they've gained seven and the, and the republicans lost six so mm-hmm. that was a big win and the democrats them. didn't lose any and they've made a lot of gains in local governments as well mm-hmm. that's important because governorships and local elections they gained about 300 i think 300 330 seats in local governments they're the people who draw the electoral maps looking forward to 2020 so they were down by about a thousand so they're still down but it's it's still an extra 300 than they had so they're going to gerrymander in their favor at this point or right, well in fairness i wouldn't even call it gerrymandering by clawing back things that are gone to a ridiculous level if you look at the electoral maps in some districts they're like biographs mm. and we, we've had china first as you said like first gay governor uh first muslim is it senator or uh two uh, muslim representatives House of representatives yeah uh we've we've had the youngest ever woman elected mm-hmm. 29 years old alexandria like, ocasio cortez yeah uh, who has been under fire in the last week because she said she can't afford to move to Washington. That's until not she under fire. Job. That's like the most relatable thing of all time. No, like Republicans and Fox News have been criticizing her. It's like, oh, you don't have money, you idiot. <laughs> yeah, that's literally it. It's like, you're not a rich person who got elected. You're actually a human being who's like, 
oh wait, I can't afford to move until my salary kicks in. When I look at Cortez, though, it, it kind of gives me hope for America because like mm. she's like me, not in that, not I'm not a Latino woman. We're both twenty nine. <laughs> I'm I'm twenty nine, but like she, I can relate to her. I feel like she would represent me. I'm not from America, of course, but like we don't even we don't see much of that in our our own uh, our House of Representatives, like you know. Mm. So that's that's encouraging. We also had two Native American women elected, which is great. One of which was also LGBT, so that's a double win. Mm-hmm. So people are kind of reluctant to call it a blue wave because the Senate they, they kept the Senate, which again they had very 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 structural reasons for why they it was very unlikely the Democrats were going to take the Senate all along anyway. Yeah, the reason I would call it a purple wave is that it creates sort of a stalemate. Like Dale stopped Trump stuff in the House of Representatives and put but. Equally, when they put forward their own, it will die in the Senate, unfortunately. But so, even if it, even if they had the Senate, Trump could veto it, so yeah, it would die there anyway. So it's a, that kind of tit for tat. That the the big worry if, if you are American, even if taking out like the the nasty partisan racist shit, it's like nothing's going to get done. Nothing's going to happen for the next two years in America. Yeah, like democratic ideas will be shot down in the Senate, Republican ideas will be shot down in the House, and nothing will nothing will move for two years. What, what what kind of country is that where the politicians... It's so divided. It's so divided. You say what you want, but our politicians, but we have a multi-party system, so, you know... We're, we're literally the opposite of divided at the moment. Yeah. Our, our, our leading government party is propped up by the primary opposition at the moment. That's literally working together. And people talk about, oh, you need to get partisanship out, you need to reach across the aisle and, and make... make make, make uh, a compromise it's like that's literally our government right now is, is a minority government propped up by the opposition for so, what is i think in theory for the betterment of the country when you have a two-party system and one party has control of everything then that's not healthy i think that this is for now where we are two years into a trump presidency mm-hmm. a split government is the best we could hope for uh, there's a check on trump's power that's like the big thing coming out of this election is Trump can't do what he wants anymore. Yeah. And then he fired his freaking attorney general the next day because, in fairness, Jeff Sessions was always going to be fired. It's, it's a matter of when, not if. Poor beleaguered Jeff Sessions. Yeah, but it was the day after a bloody election, which shows. And did you, I see me watch Trump's press conference. He's been attacking journalists all week. He's yeah. in such a bad mood. And he literally, he went to that press conference and listed the Republicans who did not support him who lost and shamed them publicly. He wants loyalty, Ken. And it's not a two-way street, Ken. He wants loyalty from you. You get nothing in return. But he wants loyalty from you. And Ken, anybody that asks for loyalty does not deserve loyalty. It's not the way loyalty works. One thing that struck me with this election before we talk about kind of where, where this takes us from here. You talk about Jeff Sessions getting fired. That was kind of always going to happen. Mm-hmm. Trump is, seems particularly indignant. Yeah. I, I, I think uh, it, it annoys me to no end. But anybody that reports the words of Trump verbatim is irresponsible. Even if you're correcting, even if the context of that is, this is wrong. If you play the words verbatim or you quote him verbatim, you're literally just feeding his bubble. So like if, if Trump says, uh, this thing is horrible, the way you should cover that is literally remove him from the equation. And that, that'll probably get less hits. So that's why people don't do it. And that's not journalism, Ken. That's just clickbait. But that's that's another argument for another day. But he was, like, but literally, he was, he was endorsing candidates as well. He he never even met. He doesn't even know who they are. But they're Republicans. Uh, oh yeah, but he was he was very cautious about who he supported. He supported people who were going to win. Here's something that struck me very much from this election that I I kind of knew but I didn't realize until this election is that you can be a member of the Republican Party or the Democrat Party. But not be endorsed by the party or like even disavowed by the party. Well, yeah, you win your primary. Because you can become a member of the party without any really clearance. You can just sign up and, yeah, you know, pay your fees or whatever. So you have a lot of like, you know, one of the things I was thankful for, like uh, candidates with a white supremacist or even Nazi agenda did not fare well. Mm-hmm. But like I read stories during the week where this guy was like, an out of, I'm not going to name his name. We don't want to get potentially litigious, you know. <laughs> I know we're not a big podcast, but anyway, just in case. He he ran as a Democrat twice just so he could get in the system because they're the bigger party in his area. And he's a Nazi, like, you know. Yeah. Even the Republicans have had to like, like distance themselves from, from some of their own candidates who run, who somehow won primaries <laughs> because they, they don't know those people. And there's no, like in, a, in our party system, because everything, everything is much smaller, we have to admit that. But mm. candidates are vet to some extent. You're like, or even if they sign up to the, the party, party runs the candidate. Exactly. Because there's the primary system in the US where it's like, if you want to be the person on the ballot, you can put your name in the hat. And if you win that vote, even if the Democratic Party doesn't want you to be the person to win that vote, if the people say you are, 
they can't do anything about it. That's the way their system is. Yeah, and they know who their candidates are. They know who their people are. If people join the party that aren't necessarily aligned with their vision, they're kind of managed out in an extent. Or and like yeah, like the Democratic Party can do things about this. They can throw money at the other candidates in these primary races to try and ensure the people that they don't really want representing them run in, uh, run for senator house seats. But yeah, American politics. One last. Uh, Point, one last bright spot linked to the, the white supremacists and the Nazis before we move on to what this means for the future in the next two years. Mm-hmm. For me, Kerr, like that that was a worrying, you know, we had the kind of uh, Unite the Right rally last year. That was a kind of a worrying trend. But one bright spot, one story I saw that I really liked was anti-Semitic candidate Steve West, who's like, I'm not going to even say some of the stuff he, I'm not going to give him a platform. Yeah, that's the thing. People say, even as I said, even if the context in which you're saying these people's horrid words is to say that they're wrong and horrid, you're still giving them a platform. You're still amplifying them. You're still repeating them to more people. And that's irresponsible. But to give you an idea, was he doesn't believe Jews are humans or should have human rights. Go fuck himself. Yeah. He was running for the Missouri State Senate, or the kind of state house, you know, the local government. And his children actively campaigned against him <laughs> oh i saw that ad that ad is the best have you seen the ad i have seen the ad yes. or it's just like he's horrible he's uh, he's terrible he needs to be stopped he needs to be stopped <laughs> i'm his son <laughs> it's like yeah i'm his daughter <laughs> whatever about extreme views the, the, the kids were saying like he is nuts yeah he, he cannot be elected i wouldn't elect him on any level of government yeah so that was uh, that's a nice story. That that one warmed my heart as well as the huge win for women and LGBT people. Those kind of voices are always going to make a change, you know. I'm not sure is it because I haven't slept enough, but you have the phrase "took a turn for the worst" in the script. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at it, and for some reason, I can only see it as "took a tum for the worst." It's like, oh, you got a bellyache. <laughs> I think it's because the or and the n are too close together. Yeah, they just run together. In Riveting. This, this font. Anyway, that's it's good podcast content. Yeah, wonderful content care very spontaneous Mm. trump who has bashed the democrats relentlessly since he entered the white house and even before when he was on the campaign trail is now saying he wants both parties to work together because he doesn't want them to investigate him (laughs) exactly he's literally said that he's like if you investigate me we're not working together yeah and that's that's like the easiest thing say for a buddy who's been bullying someone for years but then someone gets like a, a measure of revenge or a measure of power against them and it's, it's like, like oh, oh, oh okay let's work together let's be friends yeah. let's be friends i'm not gonna hit you anymore because the house has investigative powers like yes. they, they and they have subpoena power so they can they can uh run two years of just being like hey we want to see your tax returns there pal like they can they can legally request his tax returns now hey we want to see your dealings with saudi arabia yeah so so like that's like the first thing they should do just to reveal all his slimy conflicts of interest he obviously has but doesn't want to be revealed before people get too excited though they can start the ball rolling on impeachment but it would have to go to the senate and get the majority to pass so it's not likely to happen and that's not something they should focus on at this stage that's a good point. And Nancy Pelosi, who is the minority leader at the moment, she is likely to be the Speaker of the House. And she has said, we're not going to do, keep doing this. We're not going to go after them like they went after us. And that is encouraging in some ways. And I, I've seen some, like, even quite liberal people who I follow on Twitter who are American saying, why the hell not, Nancy? Let's, That's the let's, thing. But I, I understand that instinct. Yeah. It's like, you look at her being like, we don't want to do what they're doing. That's not how this should work. And she's right. But this can't continue forever. That's not the political that's, climate that's there right now. It's that, them versus us. That's the problem. Like, like I, I think what she said is fully right and fully the best approach to governing. However, that's not where people are right now. And I think it's a misread of the room to pursue it's like a bipartisan approach where we want compromise, which she said. And I said, that's, the, that's, that's how it should work. That's but, how government should work. But it's not where people are at the moment. I think the main thing people need to learn from this is that you can get democrats who are quite extreme and republicans who are nearly all extreme (laughs) yeah but there's there's moderate ones what i'm saying is like the whole thing of being a member of the party doesn't mean much Mm -hmm. so you know and as we talked about earlier gar people not knowing what was on the ballot is also troubling Mm -hmm. possibly because it's not it's not their fault to an extent because if you throw like 15 things on a ballot at somebody i wouldn't do all that research fair enough i then wouldn't vote i just abstain but for me, it's about Americans should focus on the man or the woman, not the party, and where they stand in the issues. <laughs> the thing is, the American ballots work in a way where you can just tick a box to vote Democrat. 
and it goes yeah. down the ballot. You vote all yeah. for all the Democrats, and that's stupid. Because like we could <laughs> that's have that's literally encouraging division. You're you, just like you could literally have a white supremacist on the ballot who just puts labels himself as a Democrat, and you're like, oh well, he aligns with my values. Tick. But it, it just means you're not you're not even thinking about it. You're just tick, tick, I'm a Democrat. Tick the Democrat box. I'm not even going to think about it. Trump held out in some strong areas, which worked well for him in getting elected in 2016. But there is an indication that some states, especially the likes of Georgia, are shifting what they call purple, which is kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Or Texas as well. Yeah. Beat our work. Nearly one in Texas, which is unheard of. Yeah. Like we talked about Stacey Abrams. It's like the fact that she is even in the conversation about being close enough to potentially, uh, st- uh, at least still not concede at the moment, in Georgia is unheard of. And Ted Cruz, like it did kind of sink my heart to see him re-elected. I know. But it came close as well. It was a couple of percent. It came very close. Some people are calling for Beto to be the candidate in 2020. I don't think he's ready for that yet. I don't know. Why not? He does have a surge of momentum behind him. So, and he's... He nearly won Texas. <laughs> yeah. He's probably the most charismatic and well-supported candidate they have at the moment. Like Bernie Sanders is, I don't know. He's too old. I'm sorry. And there, there's Elizabeth Warren. I was yeah. th- The other day I was thinking like James Comey might run. Possibly, yeah. Yeah, it was like uh, the problem. He would certainly have the name name value at the moment. One last question, Gareth. So last week, major news outlets and Facebook blocked an ad from Trump's re-election campaign. So the first real signal that he's going for re-election. Of course he is. Well, most presidents... No, oh, that was the caravan ad, wasn't it? Yeah. Which was racist. Even Fox blocked it. Because it was racist. So he is going for re-election. He's been running for re-election since 2016. Let's yeah. face it. He's, got, he's the man. Right. The man is... The man lives for the fight. He doesn't live to govern. He doesn't li- like. He, he doesn't live for compromise. He admires dictators. That that's the, the model of leadership in which he wants to have, but can't because there's checks on his power. He just he's that's the reason he's been running rallies all the time, even in like 2016, 2017, when there's been nothing to run for. He's done rallies because he loves that crowd. As I said, if this dude did a stand-up comedy tour in 2014, he would have never run for freaking president. Because he would have gotten that. He, he just wants the people. He wants people shouting at him. And he wants to play, play off a room. That's like 90% of what he wants. Yeah. So last question, Garrett. Where do you think this leaves him for 2020? I don't know. I don't trust America. Based based on today. And it, and for, the, the good thing about this election is it's not a big enough win to encourage complacency. Mm-hmm. Like the Democrats will still be like, we should want more. And keep pushing. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. If they won the Senate, I think that's actually dangerous for Trump's re-election hopes. Just because... One people, if anything would have been wrong in the company, would have been blaming the Democrats then. And uh, I think there would have been a degree of complacency. It's like, ah, we've dealt with them, you know, yeah. where there's not at the moment. And I should the, 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 the fervor to take this horrible, putrid human being down should hopefully only increase. But I don't trust America again. I think the best thing I can say was until recently, I'm becoming very accustomed to the idea that he will be reelected. And now... It, it's unclear. The hope. The hope is what will kill you. The hope is what will get us in the end. God, but... that 2016 year where there was Brexit, then Trump. Both those back to like a couple, a few months apart. It's like, oh God, the world is collapsing around us. Sure. I think we should give ourselves a little pat on the back because we made it through a whole segment. About American about, politics. About American politics. We, did, we quit the last time. We hung in there. We did it. We mm. informed the people. Now we don't have to talk about it for two years. Yeah. We'll come back to it in another two years. We... We ripped that bandaid off. We finally got over that hurdle and, and, and finished. Uh, we got over that hurdle. And no, I, I was trying to use two analogies there. I was going to get over the finish line. Let's just leave it there. These were retar- Well, in fairness, a hurdle sprint things. That's yeah, that's that's a consistent analogy. What's your take on the midterm election results? You can cast your ballot on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash TWSKK. And if you're a person of few words, you can also share your thoughts on Twitter. Where can they find us on Twitter, Gar? At TWSKK. My fellow weekendians, sadly, we have come to the end of another show. Thank you, as always, for taking the time to click play or download on the podcast. You can find a new episode every weekend at soundcloud.com forward slash TWSKK. That's where you'll also find our other show, Podcast a Week, and the entire back catalogue of The Weekend Show. Speaking of which, a new episode of Podcast A Week dropped just yesterday. I'm not a failure! So it should be in your feed as we speak. As Garrett mentioned earlier, it's part of an ongoing retrospective of the MCU. So check it out to hear Garrett and friend of the TWS network, Barry, give their thoughts on Ant-Man and the Wasp. Make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or SoundCloud so you never miss any of the podcasts on the TWS network. 
Speaking of which, if you're a weekend show campaigner and you want to make sure that we are elected as the best podcast in the history of the world. Which we already are on a level. We are in our heads, but we need people and the whole world to know it. Mm-hmm. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You'll find our feed under TWS Network. In appreciation, we will give you a lifetime subscription to the podcast completely free. And please don't have any sense of entitlement about what this podcast should be. Because yeah. we have no idea what this podcast should be. <laughs> no. We're just shooting the breeze, seeing where it takes us. Next week, we review the second installment of the Fantastic Beasts series, The Crimes of Grindelwald. Grindelwald is a hard word to say. I thought it was just Grindelwald, which is easier to say, but that L is that L is cumbersome. Yeah, it's kind of a, a sticky one. So we're going to review The Crimes of Grindelwald, nailed it, before running down our own most anticipated movie releases of the busy festive season. We were brought to you this week by our sponsor, Defy Media. Oh wait, never mind. Our theme music is by Blue Wild Productions, and until next time, say goodbye, Gar. Bye-bye. Take it easy, everybody. Bye-bye.